0: This is a Hot Pie Media Original.
1: This episode of the Inhumane Podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. So, is there anything that is preventing you from achieving your goals? Anything at all? Is there a reason that you seem like you're in Stuckville and you just can't move forward? Well, BetterHelp is here to assess your needs and really match you with your own licensed professional therapist, I love that you're able to chat with them within 48 hours and it's not a crisis line. It's not for self-help. It really is just professional therapy and you can do this securely online. The services are available no matter your time zone and you can log into your account anytime and send your message to your therapist. It's like having them on speed dial. You can even schedule a weekly video or phone session and you never have to sit and wait in a lobby. BetterHelp is really committed to, you know, facilitating those great therapeutic matches and they make it super easy and free to change therapists if you need to do so. I know with a lot of the service providers of anti-human trafficking organizations and people like you who are listening to this could have some vicarious trauma and the therapists they see don't normally allow them to move back and forth. And so here you're able to change therapists if you need to do so, um, so that you find a better fit. Now, BetterHelp really wants you to start living a happier life today. So please visit their website, betterhelp.com. And Because they're doing such a great job, you can join over a million people who have taken charge of their own mental health and with the help of an experienced professional. And so we have an actual special offer for you today for all of the Inhumane podcast listeners. You get 10% off your first month at betterhelp.com forward slash inhumane. Hey there, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Inhumane podcast, a Hot Pie Media original. Today, I am joined by a dynamic duo of friends and people in the community that work together. And we're talking all about fathers. We have Patrick Erland, who created the Father Con, And we also have Donald Parrish with a steady hand up the street here in Dallas, Texas. We are going to be talking about the correlation between fatherless homes and human trafficking. And this is for men and women. It's for future dads as well. it is something that is so missing and people have a blind spot when it comes to fatherless homes and how it's related to all of these public health issues. So join me as we listen. So uh, Patrick and Donald, I just wanted to really come on and say thank you for joining us at the Inhumane podcast um, as I shared with both of you, you know, this podcast is for the public, right? The public is constantly asking what is going on in this complex world of human trafficking. And, and we know that there are so many variables and so many things connected that we as parents and we as community members can't see it a lot of times. And we, re- we don't even realize in a certain area We're like, oh, my gosh, that could be an area that could prevent human trafficking or abuse or um, any of the other things that happen to youth as a whole. Right. Um, Mm -hmm. And so you two gentlemen really believe in men and the job of fathers and mentors and soon to be fathers is what I love that you all include them as well and supporting the community. So, I just like our listeners to get to know a little bit about you on maybe what were some gaps in the community or maybe in your own lives that y'all noticed that really brought you to this space where you two are teaming up together uh, for the past couple of years, it seems like.
2: Yeah. Well, for me, it was working in the prevention of human trafficking since around 2010. Um, I worked with a task force here in the Los Angeles area. And I, we, we organized events. We did a lot of things in order to try to spread awareness to the community. But the thing that just kept coming up to me in conversations with survivors, with, um, with former traffickers, it just what kept coming up was the relationship to a father mm-hmm. or the, the non-existent relationship to a father that really fed some of the fundamental motivations for becoming a buyer, becoming a trafficker, or becoming a, a victimized you know as a as a victim of human trafficking so to me it just kind of seemed like we were overlooking this very critical relationship between father and son father and daughter and and as fathers themselves that i think
0: mm-hmm. we
2: live in a world with with 24/7 temptations and and pushes and pulls and opportunities to to make bad decisions and right. that i think has fed has fed to kind of a weakening of fathers where there's a a, a lack of integrity and a lack of appreciation of the the, the dire responsibility that a father has in, in shaping the character and the and the sense of self worth of their children, and then that that's what led me to Donald and discovering what he was doing and in such a powerful way with with mentoring and with taking
3: care of his community.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. No. Thank you for well, that, Patrick. And Donald, tell us what you're doing up the road from me.
3: Well, yeah. Well. So. Um... First, I should have went first because Patrick <laughs> answered that question with such eloquence and grace he sure that did. no matter what I add he is is is, is 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 not going to be enough. <laughs> uh, but I, I will say, I, I, so I'll answer your question a different way. Okay. You you asked about personal gaps and things, and so for me, I didn't have any. I had no personal gaps in this area, mm-hmm. and so it, it gave me a blind spot when it came to human trafficking in the sense that um, I grew up in a very middle-class environment here, uh, here in Dallas. And, um, all me and all of my friends, all from black two parent households, all went to college. It was like a pack of like, and I'm not exaggerating, maybe 13, 14, 15 of us. Beautiful. We all went to the same, uh, same middle school, same elementary. We split up in high school. We all have at least one degree, uh, all our parents are still living. They're still married. Like we're we're going through around the 50th uh, anniversary <laughs> celebrations. Um, Amazing. And so my parents. Yeah, my parents on, on the younger side of the crew. And so um, so they, they, we're celebrating their 50th this year. And so I grew up in a bubble. It wasn't until I got to college mm-hmm. that. Um, and I remember watching a 60 minutes episode where they were talking about the vanishing black father. Right. And I was like, and I was offended. I told my dad, what are they talking about? Like, you're right here. I don't understand. <laughs> like, like I, 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 that was so foreign to me. Yeah. Um, and because I was used to seeing black men active in their lives. So when I got to college, um, it really hit me in the face how vast this problem was and how many of my classmates and friends who were maybe not in my friend group that I had since elementary, but were friends of mine were hiding the fact that they did not have a father in their Mm -hmm. life, were hiding the fact of what was really going on at home. And they had just learned how to put a mask on and just kind of fake it. And so fast forward to um, just really trying to make a difference. um, And we we ended up, you know, forming a steady hand, which which primarily started with college tours and mentoring and, you know, all the usual things. And then just kind of grew and developed from there. But that's, That's kind of how I was drawn to this. Patrick sought me out and he was like, Man, you've got to get involved. And when Patrick found me, I really did not understand to the extent in which I do now how much trafficking um was impacting the lives of the very same families that we were trying to work with. I had I I was one of those people, I was in my own bubble. Mm -hmm. And so I think I think Patrick um were exposing me. And so now we're trying we're trying to do our part to make sure that we uh, both stop the supplier side and the demand side of mm-hmm. trafficking, yeah. especially as it relates to our to our men.
1: You know, thank you for that, Donald. And you actually hit uh, something that a lot of our listeners and then the people that I work with in, in the community as well, is they're doing great work. But as you said, key word is I had a blind, a blind spot right? Had a blind spot because that wasn't your experience. Um, and even people that do have some sort of experience, and that's usually why they go and to help certain nonprofits, right? Because it speaks to their heart because it's something that they did experience, but they're not making that connection with, with human trafficking because it's, Again, a complex issue, and we're only seeing it from our side and not noticing the exploitation or um, the, you know, the sextortion or the buying side of it and things of that nature. Um, And, you know, I'm just seeing this dynamic duo, like when Patrick and I had a very long conversation, our first conversation, Patrick, I can't remember how long it was, but it was a while. And it was saying, okay, this lack of fathers, right? Father, we're having fatherless generations um, that is going on. When it comes to young people, what role does the father really play? Or, or like even future fathers play, right? What role would both of you say that they play that is so vital for this next generation?
3: in 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 what regard just in general or as it relates to trafficking specifically because i want to make sure let's, i answer your question yeah
1: no um, i appreciate the, the clarification let's let's just talk in general because i think our public can understand the generality first and then maybe we okay. can go a little bit deeper with trafficking yeah,
2: okay, when we so miss out on the generality when we miss out <laughs> on the generality thing that's what ends up feeding the human trafficking side. Fair enough so it's not yeah. like what? just one specific thing that leads to trafficking totally
3: will it let me go before the professor um, this time, so uh, so my answers won't 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 seem so juvenile in comparison. Um, I think that uh, in, in general, so I named my organization a Steady Hand, and when we initially formed, we formed to only work with um, fathers and with boys. Now we do boys and girls of all ages. Um, but I found myself saying as I was going across the country speaking after the Breakfast with Dads event, and you know stuff that went viral all that we. Speaking engagements all across the country, and I find myself repeating this phrase when men show up, we provide a steady hand to the situation. Mm. And so, I'm a pastor, I'm a spiritual guy, and so, in my context, I say the Holy Spirit um, told me this is what you need to name your organization because this is what fatherhood and manhood should really be about it should be a steadying force in community. In in whatever organizations, schools, mm-hmm. you name it, the presence, the mere presence of an active male figure, father, um, a, a, an uncle, a, a cousin, even a big brother, somebody mm-hmm. to step in it can provide a steadiness uh, in a child's life that absent and void of that, that child does not have. Yeah. And so not that they can't find other places, they can. But the best, in my opinion, the best way to get that is by having that male influence in a healthy manner. Mm
1: -hmm. This episode of the Inhumane Podcast is brought to you by Canopy.us. Now, I know you've heard me talk a lot about the dangers of online in our world today. So I'm here to tell you about a few tips that can help protect your kids online from porn and sexting. I highly recommend, of course, to use parental controls on all of your family's devices. But the truth is that the average age of exposure to porn is 11 years old and one in four kids have received a sext and one in seven have actually sent one. So that's why Canopy is such an important app to install on your kids' devices. Canopy actually helps prevent the exposure to porn before it happens. They use their technology actually filters images and videos in milliseconds. And when Canopy detects a nude or lingerie-esque image, it's saved to your child devices. It will give them the option to delete or send to you for approval. That's like a lot of checks and balances. So you can try Canopy for today by using the code Inhumane and check out for thirty days free and twenty percent off for life at Canopy.us. Over to yeah, you, I'm Patrick. I always like to
2: look, <laughs> and, and, and kind of like what what would work. Like what would what makes the most sense for raising kids who feel secure, safe, who i mean i think we're we're infused with a curiosity and a creativity as human beings and and when that when we when a father creates the a kind of a safe stable space for mm-hmm. a child to grow up in then all of that creativity and curiosity becomes a really positive thing um when it's when it's missing then then you see this kind of a a deviation of especially curiosity and this this is what kind of angers me so much about like the pornography industry and what's happening where it's, you know, it's, it's really corrupting something that's actually something that's so beautifully part of being human. Mm. Um, But I think a father, we look at a lot of the data from the last like 50 years of studies and it's fathers provide something that a mother doesn't. And that's, and it's really interesting. They provide the sense that you're worth being loved. So this is extremely important with girls,
0: mm-hmm.
2: um, also, also with boys. I mean, I, some things are a little bit weighted differently, like how much sure. this impacts a boy and how much it impacts a girl. But, but uh, when a father takes time and spends time with you, what that communicates is that I, I'm worth his time.
0: Yeah.
2: And, and that translates into a sense of, of dignity, of self-dignity, of self-respect, um, um, th- the fact that I'm worthy of being loved. Mm -hmm. Um, a mother's a mother's love is that is just the air that you breathe it's this it's the soil that that a child has the secure stable basis for for growing but it's the father that gives you the sense that you're worth it you you deserve to be loved you're worthy of being loved and And, and and I talked to so many survivors that that come back and talk about that yeah Donald
3: and well I, I want to jump in because um I want to elecute the point that you just made and I think we miss it uh, and 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 many of us, I call us the do gooder community. I think we miss it because we let um, we let trauma and we let um, media narratives mm. guide us to man. We got to focus on our boys and toxic masculinity, yes. and all and and that's true. And and the, but I'm telling you, the 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 just as bad of miscarriage of justice is what happens in the life of a young lady when she does not have a loving father figure. So. I, I want to restate kind of what Patrick said. I, I, I say it this way, Patrick: that um, a mother loves you because you came from her, right? She, and and kids internalize that as well. Of course, my mom loves me; she has to, right? Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. just, yeah. yeah. But but the fact that a that a man, the fact that a father. Who has to bond with this child once this child is in the world and is looking at you crazy, right? That's why they that's why they come out screaming and hollering. They like, man, who are you? I don't know. I don't know who you are. I've I've heard your voice through some water. It sounds a little familiar, but I don't know, you know? And so a father has to work hard. To mm. develop a relationship with this child. And even in mentoring, it's the same. I tell all my mentors, yeah. you, you don't go in with the right to say certain things to these young people. You just you have to earn that right. That's a that's something that you have to uh, you have to earn. And so the fact that a man is willing to choose to be in a kid's life makes a huge difference for that child because it makes them feel like I'm worthy to be chosen. Mm. And and a lot of our young adult women. Are still struggle with the fact that they feel as if the reason why they, they put up and they tolerate abusive relationships and things of nature is because mm-hmm. it goes back to that feeling of that's right. never having been chosen. right And, mm-hmm. and, and that's, that's what a good man provides in a situation is, Hey, You did not come from me. I mean, you came from me biologically, but you were not physically a part of me. But I am still choosing Mm -hmm. to 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 have this uh, symbiotic relationship with you uh, that I'm going to be with you forever. And and, and so that's to not minimize the role that women play in our lives at all. Exactly. You can't. But but it's it's something that is just as necessary. Mm -hmm. And when it's not present in both boys and girls. It has damaging impact and our society is suffering from that right now.
1: That's right. It is. And, you know, yeah. and I love you piggybacking off of, off of Patrick. And my question, you know, this is such a, an important topic for me for a variety of reasons. Very similar to you, Donald, is, you know, I grew up in a two parent household. My I definitely was daddy's girl for sure. Um, I I didn't realize until I got into high school and how me and my peers did not live in a two-parent household, right, with their biological uh, father or even just a male presence altogether. Um, And I noticed a lot of my friends once we were in that dating age, I mean, I wasn't allowed to date, but I was watching them date. (laughs) And you could see how much they yearned for their father, right? And so their dating lives were a hot mess. And a lot of them, and this isn't to point the fingers and blame moms at all whatsoever, but a lot of my friends were told how horrible of a partner their dad was, right? Not a horrible dad or because their dad is not around. That's automatic, of course, horrible dad. Um, but it was more about him as a partner. And now mm-hmm. we're starting to see how damaging that is, right? When when individuals are talking about somebody's parent that way. Um, so you two gentlemen, what do you think happened that men are not seeing that connection and not making that connection, um, where they're choosing to build this relationship with their child, which is now creating this epidemic of, right. A fatherless, fatherless generations. So what is, what, what is happening or what did happen? that they're just missing from all these kids lives.
2: I don't I don't think it's a singular thing, but but I think this is again this is not to disparage the the woman's movement or for or sure. the necessity for kind of a a, a feminism mm-hmm. and that and that there there was such a disparity in in rights and in and in respect and things between men and women. But so but I think something happened within, within around that time of the 1950s and 1960s, where you you started changing the narrative. You started changing the story that the single single motherhood was great. S- a single mother can do just as good a job as a as a two parent family in raising their children. And so there is there is the beginnings of a marginalization of the father. So mm-hmm. the father was basically he was collateral. He was supportive. He brought in money, but he wasn't really important for the, for child development, certainly mm-hmm. maybe maybe as a child got older, but as an infant or something like that, like, forget about it. And you saw that reflected in the laws, mm-hmm. you know, where where a father wanted custody of his kid. I mean, was, you fought tooth and nail and, and exhausted your savings in order to try to get custody of your child.
0: Right.
2: Um, I know one guy here. He, he's been to court 500 times. His wife keeps taking him to court. Um, wow. I mean, just massive expenditure mm-hmm. because he wants to be in the lives of his kids. Mm-hmm. um but i think there was there was a a lowering of expectation there was a, a ra you know this raising the in raising the status of of women and and single motherhood you you started to to see this men stepping down into the lower expectation of of society and that they they were they're no longer seen as necessary for the family mm-hmm. They were seen as like I mean, if you're if you're going to do everything that I want you to do if you're going to if you're going to fill the needs of that I have for you then then you can hang around but I, I think there's a lot of things that happen but I but what I've seen is just this this you know the the lowering of the the sacredness of marriage the the an obsession with you know getting what you want what you feel you're entitled to mm. and this is the other thing that I hit on besides vulnerability but it's entitlement. So we, we have this rising entitlement of men and boys that they should have all of these things the way that they want it. And that that's if you once you stop getting it in your in your marriage or in your in your home life, you go look for it somewhere else. And I mean, there's a lot that yeah. can be said about that. And that's just a real, you know, kernel. But, but I think that there was a lowering of expectations of what the father means and mm-hmm. what the, the husband means. And, and and men stepped down into that lower expectation instead of rising to, to the challenge.
3: Well, I I uh, I enjoy the fact that all three of us are different on this on, on this uh, <laughs> yeah. conversation because uh, so because I want to kind of narrow and narrow in on, on on my culture on the African American experience. Please. and and I I think that honestly for for men who look like me, you can find a lot of roots of this in the chattel slavery system. Mm. When you look okay. at at how men um and women were bred. And the man, if he was thought to be of a good size, strong, um, had had the ability to to produce many kids, was oftentimes forced, whether he was married or not, to mate with a woman to produce, you know, more. I mean, for lack of a better term, livestock. Right. Sure. Was to to produce more of a workforce. Well, the emancipation comes right, and um, and there's no there's no trauma uh psychologists and psychiatrists to help the free slave figure this thing out mm-hmm. right there's 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 nothing there's nothing to ha- on top of the poverty they now have the sexuality and has been for men and women has been um has been um commodified by the um majority culture right has been like they were you know they were used to do whatever and so them trying to put the pieces together, you, you, we see some of the same problems that exist now in in the black culture, in the black family, that it did honestly you can draw a straight line to 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 the emancipation. And and so I, I really do believe that it's the fact that we don't openly talk about these things that are hurtful, mm-hmm. these things that are harmful. And we just kind of brush it under because hey, man, we got to get a job, you know, in in, in the black Mm -hmm. culture. And and Patrick, it may be the same way in in your culture as well. But as a young boy, even even me with all the men I had around me, I was it was not okay to cry. Man, hey, man, tough it up. Hey, man, what you crying for? You know, that's that is something that is not healthy for a young boy. A young boy needs to know how to handle his emotions, especially when he's at a high He's at a high emotional state mm-hmm. so that he won't just act in anger and lash out and strike, you know, and things of nature. And and I think that's why we see so much of the domestic violence That's why we see so much of violence. Even now, with our young people doing is pandemic and not just black young people. But since I'm talking about Af- African-Americans, I'll say around the country, I'm seeing a spike in violence. I'm seeing a spike mm-hmm. of suicide, which is self-violence. Right. Mm-hmm. I'm that's seeing a right. spike of mutilation. All of that because we have never talked and have learned that it's okay to talk about what hurts me. Mm -hmm. So, and so when you talk about how, where did this, where did this come from? How did it start? For me, it started there. Then we found other ways to make money off of our pain, Mm
0: -hmm. right?
3: We found ways. I I, I look at modern day uh, hip hop and I'm a hip hop head. I was born in 1977. Mm -hmm. um, And so I am, I, I am the hip hop generation but I look at what money is invested into compared yeah. to artists who can't seem to, to get the, you know, get the big deal and to get a big platform. It's all the It's all the low hanging fruit. It's all one black man to 10 black white Hispanic girls dancing around them. Right. And mm-hmm. that that begins to be for, for a young, for a young man, man, Hey, that's what I want to be. That's right. So I need, I got to call out her name. I have to undervalue her. Mm -hmm. I have, you know, it's okay for me to call myself a pimp, right? It's okay okay for me. All these things that have have become a part of our vernacular that is so unhealthy. And it's because this country has found a way to make money off our pain within, and I'm I'm going to stop here, but within the black culture, you'll hear us say, you'll probably see, you probably seen this online, and and you'll hear us say stuff like they want our rhythm without our blues. Well, that's Mm -hmm. what we're talking about. You know, uh, this country has found a way to make money off of us. And the damaging impact it has on us is on our young people whose minds have still not developed, don't have enough life skill and life experience to understand that using your body like this has consequences long term mm-hmm. that will that will be with you forever. And so it, for for me, I can I can trace I can trace it back there. And I just want to kind of drill down to my goals since uh, Patrick gave us such a beautiful answer um for, for the for the majority
2: i i really appreciate that donald because that's something yeah I, I spoke recently about a lot of us kind of the roots from back then um but one thing i wanted to mention is that like father khan and that was something off of what donald said the reason i chose the name father khan for our organization working with dads was was several fold um one one was that i think fathers are being conned into believing that something's going to make them happy which really isn't
0: mm-hmm.
2: um you know 20 minutes in the backseat of a car with a 12 year old is not going to produce greater happiness than being a successful father of your own kids and
0: and but th- but this is the so. the
2: the con that that men face
0: mm-hmm.
2: um and then the, another is conversation and that it's we've got to start having those those conversations we've got to start bringing up things um because too much is being un Unresolved. Right. Um, I, I've been there's a family here that I've been working with where the the father was sexually abused when he was a, a young boy by his mother, and he completely suppressed it, didn't deal with it, just left home, went on, gets married, has two have kids of his own. When his son reaches the age of his abuse, he he's totally triggered, and he and he's. It, it's interesting. This is something I hadn't considered before, but but with men who have been abused as as kids for many of them, they're terrified that they're going to become an abuser.
0: Mm -hmm.
2: So this, this man, what happened with him is he started looking at porn. He started looking at, at, at boys being abused in porn Mm
0: -hmm. as
2: a way to try to somehow, you know, deal with his, his being triggered and his experience. Uh, Somebody hacked into his account, blackmailed him, threatened to expose what he was looking at, you know, to his, to his family, to his work, everything. So he ends up taking his wife aside, confessing everything to her. And, you know, the, as the important element here, he had a 14 year old daughter and, a, and a, his son was by then about 10 years old. So he confesses everything to his wife and then he goes into the garage and kills himself. And so now you have a 14 year old girl who feels like, you know, dad chose not to be here. Yeah. And so she's she's now acting in every every way possible to put herself in a position to be exploited. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, seeking it out. Um, but we have so many, so many walking wounded men who have, who who never learned to cry. They never learned to talk about the things that they've been through. Mm -hmm. And then they go into fatherhood carrying all of this stuff in them. And, and I think that the numbers, if, if that's at all accurate, that we have one in six boys have been sexually molested when they were kids. That is, that is a massive consequence. If it's, Mm -hmm. if it's unresolved, if they haven't really been able to deal with it like with internally and also kind of and how they, and how that affects their choices and their, their relationships with others. There, there's an awful lot of trauma that's being passed down to their kids in one way or another.
1: Okay. So we are going to push pause on part one with father Khan. Um, come back, listen to part two, because we are going to go deep into what it is, even hitting on toxic masculinity um, the importance of fatherhood. Um, we're just scratching the surface. So listen in to part two. Thanks for listening. You can find more episodes and all of our other Hot Pie
0: Media originals baked fresh daily at our home online at hotpiemedia.com, the Hot Pie Media YouTube channel, or wherever you listen to podcasts.